Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Who's ready for the word tonight? Awesome. Well, hey, it is a privilege to be preaching tonight. And just to let you know, Pastor Jared, our senior pastor, he'll be back in church with us next weekend. Uh, he's been enjoying some well-deserved leave. And uh, he, he and my mum actually are celebrating a significant birthday for my mum uh, this weekend, which is so good. So they're celebrating and getting refreshed and rested, ready for a fantastic 2024. And this is going to be an incredible year for our church. And please engage with this season. Vision Sunday starts. Strong. We're looking ahead into all that God is going to do this year in our church. And we, we absolutely, as Pastor Luke said, we want to look to Him, lean into Him. That prayer and fasting week is going to be so significant. And so grab a hold of all of that, everybody, and really involve yourself in what God's doing because we are in a great season as a church and it's going to be a great 2024. Amen. 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 Well, as Christians... I believe with every fibre in my being that we are entrusted with the greatest news to tell ever. We have been called and commissioned to be sharers of the greatest news that anyone could ever hear or that anyone could ever tell. We have been entrusted with the gospel which is the good news of Jesus Christ, God's Son, that He did live, that He did die, and that He did rise again. We are sharers that He is, that He is good, that He came, that He saves, that He forgives, and that He's here. That is very good news. But I don't know about you, but in your Christian journey, or maybe you're here tonight and you are not a believer, you may find in conversations about the good news that people aren't, you know, jumping in the air with excitement at hearing the good news. They aren't often saying, tell me more. They aren't often saying, why didn't someone tell me sooner? Sometimes they're very indifferent. They're very apathetic. Sometimes Christians are very apathetic about this good news. Sometimes we're barely moved by it at all. And I know that when I've, whenever I have shared my faith in Jesus Christ... I'm often met with responses of like, oh, that's, that's nice. I'm like, what? Or sometimes you encounter a conversation with someone, you're sharing the good news. As a Christian, I've been entrusted, I've been called, I've been commissioned to share the good news and I share it with somebody and they say, why would I care about any of that? Or why do I need any of that? But we forget the realities about us the truths about life and the truths about God that make the news so compelling and so good and so needed. We forget the qualities of the gospel that are so personal and are so desperately needed by everybody, no matter where they are at in life, no matter what country they are in, no matter what income they have, no matter how many drugs they've done, no matter how many pilgrimages they've been on, it is good news for everybody as long as we get the message right. And as long as we incorporate all of what the Bible teaches us about the Gospel. Because it is good news, but the reality is, is that within the gospel, if I tell you about my faith, 
There are things within it that are incredibly offensive to you. There are things that are incredibly bad news. If you hadn't heard it already. The reality is if I share my faith with you, if I tell you what the Bible tells me about God's pursuit of mankind and what it took for that victory to happen and what it takes for us to step into that, it's very offensive. It's offensive to our sense of self-empowerment. The good news about Jesus Christ is incredibly offensive to our own self-righteousness. Christianity is very offensive to any sort of self-seeking. Even as a, a seasoned believer, I've been a Christian for 18 years now, when I revisit the Scriptures, it's offensive to my feelings and it's offensive to my truth or my perceived truth. For example, Jesus very clearly says in the Bible, I am the way, the truth and the life. Think about this. There's no other way. There's no other true truth. There's no other way to life. What if you think there's another way? What if you always have? What if your family told you? What if you read something else? Well, I'm telling you that what the Bible says is that's not true. That's offensive. There is no other way. Well, I've been a pretty good person. I've done some good things. I've never stolen. Doesn't matter. Only one way, Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter what you do. Doesn't matter what you try to do. Doesn't matter what you think about yourself. It matters that you go the way of Jesus Christ, except that He is the truth and He's the only bringer of life. Now, the challenge with this is that we are in a culture now where everybody makes a concerted effort not to offend people because it's a big thing. You know, being offended, trying not to offend others. It's a, it's a very common thing that is happening in culture at the moment. And so the challenge for us is that we often don't want to offend people, so we tell them a weird gospel. <laughs> or sometimes we're offended by what the Bible says, so we create some other view of God or some other view of how Christianity works. That's less offensive to my feelings and my efforts and all that sort of stuff. But the reality is, everybody, if you don't hear anything else tonight... The gospel is offensive, and it should be. It should tick your pride off. It should irritate your flesh. It should anger the carnality within you. Because it's when we abandon all of that, we surrender to God and say, there is no other way. There is no other truth. There is no other way to life. I don't have the answer within myself. I don't have the right opinion. I don't have the right view. I don't have the right actions. don't have the right capabilities. In fact, I have nothing. God, would you... Come into my life as Lord and Saviour. Not partner with me, but be my Lord. Not just help me, but save me. I have nothing to give. Like to arrive at that place, you have to abandon your pride. You have to at some point say, I've got it wrong. I've always had it wrong. And without this text and without his spirit, I will never get it right. I'm abandoning all of that. But listen, it's a little bit offensive. I wouldn't say everything I just said in aisle four of IGA to somebody. (laughs) But what I am saying is this, is that I think often why we don't see the fruit of the gospel taking fruit in people's lives is that we take out all the offensive parts, which are critical to its message. And so my message tonight is called Bad News, Good News. 
And it's based off that little saying, what would you like first, the good news or the bad news? Now, the good news is, I'm going to give you both tonight. The bad news is, there is bad news in it. But it's worth it in the end, because that is what the message is. Let's read some scripture. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 10 says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Note, it doesn't say you were fine without him. You were enough. You were a legend. Let me just clarify. You were dead in your transgressions and sins. It's not that God might be a nice idea for you. It's that without him, you are dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Hang on a second. There's no spirit at work in my life. Yes, there is. There's a disobedient spirit at work in those who don't believe that are on the earth right now. You're incapable of stepping out of that except by the work of the Holy Spirit. Verse 3, all of us also lived among them at one time. Not just some of us. All of us, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Not deserving of a time out. Not deserving of a little bit of, oh, it's not too bad. Deserving of wrath. God's holy judgment. Verse 4, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. You can say to someone, because of God's great love and mercy, you've been made alive with Christ. Well, that's good. But what's better is when you say you were dead, bad news, good news, Christ can make you alive. Because if you're not dead... Being made alive is just, eh. But if you're dead, being made alive is great. I think so anyway. Let's go verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That passage has some incredibly good news for you and I. The good news that God has great love for us, that it is a free gift that you can be saved, not of yourselves so that no one can boast, but it's a gift of God and that God has prepared a life of purpose for you. What makes the good news so good is that there is also bad news. Often one without the other is incredibly unhelpful and unhealthy. And we know this because of that expression, what would you like first, the good news or the bad news? You need the whole picture and I'll give you an example. Here's the good news. It's half price burger night. Anyone excited about that? You need the full picture. 
The bad news is, on the vegan range. I tried to tell you. You need the whole picture, guys. The good news is, we found what's making that noise in your car. That's good news. The bad news is it's going to cost four grand. The bad news is, I reversed into a pole in the car park. But the good news is, I brought back donuts. <laughs> now, I saw this funny study online, and they just surveyed a couple of thousand people in the States, and they asked the question, if given the option, do you want the good news first or the bad news? And 75% of people want bad news first, so that the incoming good news dispels the feeling that the bad news created. Anyone else in that picture? But, but both paint the whole picture. One without the other is not helpful. You need the whole story. Now, we see this within Christianity because some groups of churches and believers struggle with the balance that the Bible truly presents. And they struggle with the tensions that are in Scripture and just lean entirely to one side, abandoning the other. It's like reading the first half of that passage I read and not the second half. Or there's churches that, or believers that might just read the second half and not the first half. And I, would know, I know that even within our church, there's a wide range of spectrum of people and where they lean into the Word of God, what parts they love. And, and what I mean by that is this. Sometimes when I preach, if I mention hell, judgment and damnation, there are some people that are clapping so loud, they'll shake my hand in the foyer after, well done, young man. And they'll say, well done for preaching those aspects of the Bible. Well done. And there's other people that hate those parts. And then there'll be a week where someone might preach on the grace and the mercy and the kindness of God. And the people that shook my hand the week before are now rolling their eyes. But then there's other people dancing in the aisles saying, yes, he's not preaching about damnation. He's preaching about the kindness of God. But you know what's important? That we preach on both. Because it's not one or the other. It is both. Part of me getting a revelation of God understanding the power and the person of God and my relationship to Him was getting the whole picture, was looking at the cross and knowing that that's what I deserved. It's the good, the bad, the ugly of the message. It's the good, the bad and the ugly of the gospel. And it's within those truths that we truly get an understanding of our place, God's holiness, our need for Him, everybody's value before God and the reality that we cannot approach God except by the grace of God and that we will never be good enough. And that's okay. Now, the way of the Bible is often, not all the time, but more often than not, the way of the Bible is bad news first, good news after. Even that passage I read before, you were dead, bad news, but now but by God's grace and kindness, you can be made alive in Christ. It goes bad news first, good news first. I think whoever read the Bible must have read that survey and just followed the pattern. <laughs> that was a joke, by the way. Um, even if you look at the, the structure of the Bible with the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Old Testament is painting an incredibly a clear picture of mankind's depravity and brokenness and need for God, neglect of God, uh, disrespect of God, abandoning His laws and all that kind of stuff. And within the Old Testament is the promise of a Saviour. And then in the New Testament, we find Jesus Christ. We find Him revealed the answer 
the, the solution to the problem of mankind's brokenness. We have Christ the Saviour concealed in the Old Testament, revealed in the New Testament. We get the bad news that we will never be able to truly approach God by our own efforts. Good news in the New Testament, God's own effort, God's own Son will be the way that we can approach God. Old Testament paints a great picture. Mankind's broken, rejects God. And no matter what man or woman God raises up, the issue remains. So in the New Testament, rather than raise up a man, God sends down His Son and is the promised Saviour. Now, I'm going to read a bit of a passage from Romans here. And Romans is pretty brutal. The Apostle Paul brings some hard-hitting biblical truth. If you can read Romans and not be offended to the core, you're not reading it properly. <laughs> or you're reading an edition that came out in the last three years with the attempt to try and curb our emotions. I don't know that for sure. I'm just, just throwing it out there. Many times in that book, Paul presents the bad news first and then presents some good news. What we see him address is within the Old Testament, we see people left on their own exchange the worship of God for idols. We see people exchange the truth of God for a lie. Paul speaks to how we are overcome by shameful desires. And then Paul says, no one is righteous, not even one. And I think, you know, if in the Bible, there should be a picture of someone just pointing so when it says no one is righteous, not even one, and then someone pointing, just to make sure we know that we are not yeah. righteous. Yeah. Romans 5 verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Verse 6, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. All right, so I've got eight points real quick as we, as we wrap this up. And I've got bad news first and then some good news. Here's the bad news. The bad news is we are broken. We are broken. This is the truth of the gospel that every person in, in our nature, in our construction, in our createdness, we are broken. We are imperfect. We have a beginning. God does not. And we have, in our very nature, sin, disobedience to God. Within our createdness, an inability to hit the target. 
to be good enough, holy enough, worthy enough to approach God. We have all disobeyed. We have all sinned. And we really have inherited that through Adam and Eve's sin. Now, if you're here tonight and saying, well, that's not fair. If I was there, I wouldn't have eaten the piece of fruit. You're wrestling with pride. There you go. (laughs) We have all sinned. And what's so funny, I won't go into detail, but I'm parenting a toddler. And I'm seeing that sin is in his nature. He's been here for all of 10 minutes. He's onto some stuff. And I'm like, where has that come? Oh, yeah, that's right. We are broken. And listen, that might be offensive. Like, how dare you say that I'm broken? The good news is, I'm not saying that about just you. We all are. That's good news too, right? You're not on your own. It's like (laughs) the old school terminology of like, you know, you know, what is it? No good, dirty, rotten sinner. It's like, well, yeah, I am too. You are too. Everybody is the front row, second Everybody's a dirty, rotten sinner. Just embrace it. It's the truth of who you are. And (laughs) that's why the gospel's good. But here's part two of point number one. We are broken. Good news is God is not. Feel free to cheer for a second. That's fine. God, God is holy. He is uncreated. He has no beginning. He has no end. He's all powerful, all knowing, everywhere at once, every when at once, completely righteous. Everything he touches and does is marvellous. And it's him who we can walk with. In our brokenness, his graciousness steps in so that we can walk together. He has given us his word that we can stand on. When when we're in our brokenness, in our, in our, in our lostness, yeah. God comes in His completedness, His holiness, and He can bestow upon us His Son's righteousness upon us. And the thing is, is that I am a dirty, rotten sinner, but by the grace of God, Christ's righteousness has been placed upon me. So when the accuser comes, when the devil comes to point things out in my life, I can say, actually, I am a dirty, rotten sinner, but I'm wearing something pretty important. The righteousness of Christ before God, it is though I haven't sinned because Christ didn't and I'm wearing Him. Number two, bad news is we are sinners. (laughs) Sorry, you're broken, you're a sinner, just chucking it all in there. The good news is (laughs) Jesus came to rescue sinners. That's part two of that point. We are all sinners. And again, it's that whole thing of like, how dare you say I'm a sinner? Look, I am one too. We are all sinners. And Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Those that had rejected God, abandoned God, were living in their sin. Christ came to seek and to save those people. Who were those people? All of us. We have all sinned. Now it gets worse. Point number three. There is a penalty for sin. (laughs) The Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. That sin kills Now, sin kills in many ways. It kills in the temporal and in the physical. If you commit any sort of sin, any rejection or disobedience to God's will and God's word, you'll experience pretty quick consequences for that on the outside. But more importantly than that, sin always kills on the inside. And it slowly begins to bring death to your soul. 
And we have by nature sin, but then we also act out willingly sin in our life. And there is a penalty for sin. God is holy, sin must be punished. And there's a penalty for sin. But the good news is, as the, is that Jesus has paid that penalty in full. There is a penalty for sin. Now, this is why it's important to pair these up is because what happens is if we're not careful, we will create doctrines and theologies where there is no penalty for sin. Sin's fine. It's all good. It's not all good. But what is all good is that Jesus paid the penalty for the sin. The wages of sin is death. Sin will kill and destroy in your life. But the penalty of sin that must be paid, Christ has paid it on your behalf. Number four, more bad news. (laughs) There is a holy standard. There is a holy standard. Now you might be like, George, you've just said, I'm broken, I'm a sinner, there's a penalty for sin, and now there's a standard. What am I supposed to do? Well, I'm glad you asked. You're incapable of meeting that standard. Again, be careful of anyone that says that you are in your own strength because you're absolutely not. By the grace of God, the work of the Holy Spirit, the power of His Word, we can, as worship to God, go on an incredible journey of walking out what we read in the Scripture, of obeying the Word of God. But the reality is is that we're going to fall, we're going to struggle. And so the good news of point number four is there is a holy standard and Jesus met it for you. He was a living, breathing standard of what it requires to approach God. He was without sin, fully man yet fully God. The Bible tells us, I think it's in Colossians, says all the Godhead dwells in Christ bodily. He was without sin, he was God. And he met that holy standard for us. Point number five, Christ died. Now there are definitely other belief systems that celebrate Christ's death because for some it may prove to them that he was not, you know, his deity was not true, whatever it is. However, it's not the full story because he's not dead anymore. (laughs) That's the good news of point number five. Christ died, but he's not dead anymore. And that's also unique about Christ is that he's the only, uh, you know, religious figure to die and rise again. And What we have in that is the promise of resurrection life. And what we also see is that all of our sin placed on Christ on the cross. And when he dies, the sin stayed dead, but he did not. And he rose to glory. And so that you and I like that, like an analogy, we can experience new resurrection life as well. Where our sin is put to death, the penalty is paid for, the standard is met in Christ and we receive it. I am a sinner. I am broken. My, that my, my sin needs to be paid for. The standard has to be met. Thank God Christ did all of that for me. He died and he's not dead anymore. And because he rose to new life, I too can rise to resurrection life. Point number six, the bad news is this life will end. This message would be bad for sound bites. eh? It'd be like George is just delivering a dark and brutal message. Number six, this life will end. The Bible tells us from dust you came and to dust you will return. You are going to die. The Bible tells us life is but a vapour. Here one minute, gone the next. The good thing is, is that this life 
has incredible purpose. So this life will end, but this life has purpose. And this life is a dichotomy of painful and beautiful, of a wrestle and peace. And it's all, it's all that we find in doing this life in relationship with Jesus Christ. Purpose is not found in yourself. Purpose is always found outside of yourself. And true purpose is found in the things of God. True purpose in this life is found walking with God, enjoying God, enjoying God's creation, serving God and obeying God. That is where we find true purpose. Even though you're going to be here one minute and gone the next, it's more than just passing through. You're here with purpose. You're here on assignment. God has something for you to do. And God attributes meaning to each and every day of your life. Point number seven. Hell is real. Now, hell, it is eternity cast away from God's presence. And the Bible tells us that in hell there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. It is a place of anguish. And hell is not something to joke about or to mock. And, you know, you may have heard people say as well, like, oh, we're all going to hell, we'll party together. It's not something to joke about. It's, it's complete absence from the presence of God. The reality is because of our sin, we are all deserving of God's wrath. Because of our createdness and our brokenness, we deserve the wrath of God. Our disobedience to God has us on a highway to hell. And my, my nan used to say this to us, and I don't know why, because she said it at the dinner table when I was about six. But she would say, God doesn't send people to hell, but our choices do. And I was six and I was like, wow, thanks for that, man. (laughs) But there's an element of truth to what she's saying in the sense that without divine intervention, mankind is destined for hell, except for the intervention of God, which has come in the form of Jesus Christ to come and provide another way for us to experience eternal life where we don't spend eternity absent from God's presence but we have the opportunity because of Jesus to spend eternity in God's presence in a place called heaven which is the good news that heaven is also real hell is real but so is heaven and heaven is a place where we are with God and all believers will be together to enjoy the presence of God to glorify God to serve God to love God you know, Pastor Jared likes to talk about how there's an R&B section. I, I don't know about I couldn't find it in there. But <laughs> what I know of heaven is that it is communion with God. Yeah. It is community with God. We will be there and all things will be made known. And what's true of heaven is, is the opposite of what's true of hell, is that it's the absence of yeah. God. Again, the whole picture is important is that without divine intervention, we are destined for hell. But God in His grace and His kindness, come on, this is the gospel, sent His one and only Son to die on a cross to pay the penalty that we should have had to pay, to live the life we couldn't, so that we could experience resurrection life and eternity with God in heaven. Point number eight, this is my last point. Uh, There is a battle. There is a battle. There's a big battle. And in everybody here tonight, you need to know this, that there's a battle over your soul. And that Satan and forces of darkness and all of his minions, they are 
desiring death and destruction in your life. They do not want you to experience God's goodness. They certainly don't want you to experience God's salvation. And they want you to have to spend eternity where they're going to spend it. And there's a battle over your life. Stuff that happens around you, things that are offered to you, things that happen around your life, a lot of it isn't chance or just happenings. Some of it certainly is, but some of it is that there's a battle over your life. And there's forces coming after you. And there's things of darkness coming over, coming after your life. And in the way that God so graciously and kindly intervened in our lives, there, there are dark things trying to intervene in our life. And there's a battle over your life and there's a battle over your soul. But the good news is this, is that it's already won. What's unique about the story of eternity for us as believers is that we know the ending. It's like being dropped into a story and you have the complete script. Because the Bible and God in His kindness has graciously given us the ending. We've been handed the spoilers. We know the outcome. And the outcome is that for those that would put their faith in Christ, that the battle for our soul is won. Now the victory is there. The victory is within our reach if we would put our faith in Christ. We don't achieve the victory, but we can certainly receive the victory. We are not the ones on the battlefield making this possible. Like the story of David and Goliath, we are not David. We are the soldiers cowering on the hill. And in Christ, the battle over our life is won. We've just got to decide which which side we're playing for, which side we're going to give our allegiance, which side we're going to give authority. Because I know that things are going to come against my life and the enemy doesn't want me to step into the calling on my life. I know that he's ticked off that I've made a decision for Christ. Things are going to come, but... I'm not fearful because I know the ending. I know that ultimately God is victorious. The Lord's people will win. That Satan will lose. And that God will be glorified. And I know that one day, this side of eternity, that every eye will see, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That will happen. Perhaps for you tonight, the bad news is that yesterday happened or that last season of your life happened or the last 20 years of your life has happened. Maybe the bad news is that something that you did or something that you said, you can't take it back and you carry it with you. Maybe the bad news is that you feel like you're too far gone. Maybe the bad news you're sensing tonight is that you're getting an understanding of your own sin That's good. The good news is, the great news is that no matter where you are at tonight in life, God can enter into that situation upon invitation and He can bring salvation. No matter where you find yourself in your life, God upon invitation can come and bring healing, can bring hope, can bring joy, can bring peace. And if you are experiencing some sort of darkness in your life upon invitation God can bring his power and his authority yesterday happened but tomorrow's coming and for you tonight I want to ask you is God in your tomorrow 
You can't change the past, but you can make a decision about the future by upon invitation, asking God to be Lord of the future, to be Lord over your tomorrow, to, to come with you. Have you invited God into your tomorrow? When we invite God into our life, we place Him as Lord and Saviour. We, we step into His favour. We invite His hand upon our lives. And God will be with you. He'll be for you. And not just for today, but for eternity. And I just want to correct a perception people have of religious people or people that have a relationship with God. We, we approach God with a white flag not on the top of a podium. I did it. I made things right. Now I can come to God. I am a champion. I'm victorious. Now I can come to God. We come to God with the white flag. With, I can't do anything. I've given up. I've realised I'm not the answer. God receive me. If you feel like you've got to clean yourself up before you can come to God, that is not true. It's like that funny thing. I don't know if you've ever had like um, a dental appointment for a, a hygiene checkup. Whenever I have those, the night before I floss like eight times and I brush my teeth heaps because I'm like, I want them to have a good experience. I'm going there for them to clean it. Once I had this revelation the night before, I'm just eating blueberries and doing all sorts of stuff. But, <laughs> but it's like that with God. We come to God with our mess. Don't feel tonight that you can't approach Him until you clean yourself up. Listen, we come to God with a white flag, not on top of a podium. The bad news is, is that in your state, in in your nature, you are broken, desperate and a sinner. But the good news is, is that God loves sinners and He has made a way for sinners to have a relationship with Him despite what they've done. Now, the bad news is that even when you receive Christ, you'll still face challenges. A few people are like, what? The good news is though, that God will turn them for good. God will use them. Even on your worst days, there's hope. You'll still have bad days, but you won't have alone days. You might have silence, but you'll still have His Word. Someone was saying the other day that they hadn't heard God's voice in a long time. They hadn't felt um, anything in their body of a supernatural nature. And they were coming to me for advice and I said, what a great opportunity to walk your Christianity out by faith. Because now it's not hinging on you having the tingles or hearing a voice. It's anchored in the reality of His Word. I said, what a great opportunity. And they were like, oh, it was not what they wanted, but that's all right. You might not always feel Him, but you'll always have His church. An extension, His body, His family, a community that God will place you into to look after you on your faith journey. Stuff will will still hit the fan in this life, but you have guaranteed peace, paradise and proximity to Him in the next. Heaven is my home. And the good news for you tonight is that God foresaw your need and in His love set in motion a chain of events to have you here tonight to have an opportunity to simply receive from Him. The Gospel is the good news. 
the good news of Jesus Christ, God's one and only Son, fully man, yet fully God, coming to the earth, living a sinless life, dying on a cross, paying the price for our sin, and then not staying dead, but rising again, ascending to heaven, sitting at the right hand side of the Father, releasing His Spirit on the earth, all of those things. They're there in an attempt to reconcile mankind back to loving God. And you're a part of mankind. God wants to be in a relationship with you. He loves you so much. And you don't have to come to Him tonight in a place of victory. Come to Him in a place of defeat and say, God, I need you. I desperately need you. And tonight you can experience a supernatural miracle in your life. You can experience new life, resurrection life forgiveness and salvation with the promise of eternity for you in the, in the next life. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us and special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.